0: Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to just read one scripture. 20, verse 15. Exodus 20. There's Genesis, Exodus. Second book. 20, verse 15. You got it? Amen. Four words. You must not what? Steal. steal. You must not steal. steal. That's it. Go ahead and have a seat. You must not steal. And we're still talking about acquiring financial peace. I was on YouTube this past week, and what I did is I put the word stealing I don't know how many of you have ever gone on YouTube, but I put the word right there, and I did a search. And so many videos came up on stealing on YouTube. They showed how to steal, different stories, different stores. They showed professional stealers. Then this one was a crack up, because there was a store in Holland. And the guys are watching on the video and this woman is there, and, uh, and she actually stole something. They saw her, right? And, and so the guy's watching her, and he goes, and they're speaking in Dutch, so, but, uh, you know, but you can understand, and he got all excited, and he gets the other guy, and he goes, go, 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 and the guy picks up a sign, and he's running, they're running through the store to catch this girl, and, uh, and then they, they catch her right when she's ready to go out the door. She's almost there. And they stop her. And they put, they put the sign in front of her, and the cameras are going off, and they put a hat on her, champagne, champagne, and they're throwing confetti, and right outside the door was a band, and the band started playing, and they blocked out her face because she had just stolen. But what it was is that she was the 100,000th shoplifter, in the, in the store, and they decided to, to uh, make a big old spectacle about it. And she was like, so you know, you could, they, they had her face like, you know, you couldn't see her, but she was like, she didn't know what to do. And they had a, a, a sign in front of her that said 100,000 Shoplifter. And, <laughs> and it was funny, but she was like, she just threw her hat off and threw everything off, and she ran out of the store. She was embarrassed. Now, there's some of you in this room today that have never stolen anything in your life. I don't know who you are, but there just may be somebody who's never stolen. And some of you may be wondering and saying, well, I don't steal. I've never stolen. But I want to give you some ideas and some ways of how we steal. Because it's amazing of how many number of ways we think up to steal or to rip somebody off. Here's a few of them. Number one, we deceive buyers. 3,000 years ago, this was a problem just like it is today. In Amos 8.5, it says, you can't wait for the Sabbath to be over and the religious festivals to end, like you want church to finish, so that you can go back to cheating the helpless. You measure out grain with dishonest measures and you cheat the buyer with dishonest scales. When a repairman makes unnecessary repairs, when a doctor makes unnecessary tests, when a salesman skips over the fine print, when you sell a car and you don't tell what all the problems are with it, that's called stealing. When you go on eBay or Craigslist and you try to buy something and the seller tries to make it like it's perfect, that's stealing. See, I used to buy, I buy used books from Amazon. And um, sometimes they say almost new. Well, they're almost new and my almost new are two different definitions sometimes. Because they use their creativity to make things sound better than what they are. They deceive the buyers. Another way that we steal is by taking advantage of our employers. Now, I'm not talking about employee theft here where you take home stuff like, oh, man, they've got a whole bunch of paper clips. I'll just take home a couple of boxes. Man, I need some scotch tape at home. I need a stapler. I need a hole puncher. I need paper. I ran out of paper at home. They have all kinds of reams of paper here. I'll just take that. I'm not talking about the equipment or merchandise, but I'm talking about when you waste time at your job. The Bible calls that stealing. When you're taking personal calls on your job, when you're texting and you're trying to hide it so nobody knows, if somebody is paying you for your time and you come in late and you leave early or you take three coffee breaks and a long lunch, there's not too much time left over to do what they're paying you to do. God calls that stealing. Don't do it. Another way we we steal is by failing to pay on our loans or returning stuff. See, right now, I personally know of some people who are not making their mortgage payments on their house. They're holding on to the finances because they feel like, you know what? There's so many foreclosures. By the time they catch up to me, I'll have been able to live here for at least six months to a year free they won't catch up to me. If you've got creditors or you've got friends and you owe them money, don't say, well, the check's in the mail. Don't say, I'll pay you next week. Don't avoid their phone calls. Don't throw away their mail. Don't avoid their store. Don't avoid them. The Bible says, the wicked man borrows and never pays back. A lot of people have no intention of paying back. The worst loans, the absolute worst loans are to friends and relatives. You don't loan to friends, and you don't loan to relatives. Okay, you do not loan to friends. Let me re-emphasize that again. You do not loan to friends, and you do not loan to relatives. You give. You give to friends and you give to relatives. I have known more families who cannot celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas together because of money that has not been paid back. You owe me $20 from three years ago. And so you bring it up. It's just stuff. If you can't give it, Don't loan it. If I'm going to, if I'm going to, somebody asks me, can I borrow $20? I told them, no, you can't borrow it. Here, I'm going to give it to you. Because if I loan it to you and you don't have the money, you're going to avoid me. And you're going to avoid coming to church. And you're going to avoid a whole lot of things. Just give it. So much better. Anything that's borrowed in your house, tools. Kitchen bowls, CDs, videos, clothes, barbecue pits, sports stuff. You're thinking, oh man, my garage is full. What is in your garage that you need to go home and return to somebody? Sometimes we get a lot of other people's stuff in our house. Some of you have have had other people's stuff for so long, you think it's yours. You forgot who you borrowed it from. Somebody will say, oh, that's nice. And, oh, yeah, I've had it for a long time. Where'd you get it? Mm, I don't remember. But I, you know what? I don't remember. I've had it for so long, I don't even remember who I borrowed it from. There's no such thing as long-term borrowing. It's stealing. And it's wrong. Another way that we steal is by trying to get over on the government. The authorities are working for God. Pay what you owe them. Pay your personal and property tax. You cannot keep avoiding paying your taxes. You want financial peace? Pay up what you owe. Tax evasion is illegal. God says it's illegal. Stop stealing. Pay up. Even if you have to pay $5 a month for the rest of your life, pay up. Another way that we steal is when we steal from God. Malachi 3.8 says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you, God? By withholding tithes and offerings. And the Bible teaches that tithing is a tenth or 10%. The first 10% of everything that we make goes back to him in gratitude because we owe him everything. We would not have anything if it was not for God. So the first 10% of everything that I have goes back to him. He could have said 20%, 30%, 50%. I don't know why he said 10%, but he said 10%. So if we are paying our bills before we pay the Lord, you're robbing God. You're paying with stolen money. There are people who love to hear preaching. You want to hear the word of God, except when it concerns areas like this. And you say, you're not preaching. Now you're meddling. No, I'm preaching because it's in the word of God. We always want to hear about other people's sins. Oh, yeah, that's perfect for them. Oh, that one. But we don't like it when we realize that we're breaking the eighth commandment because we're not tithing. So if you're not tithing, God says you're robbing him. Why should we be honest? Four reasons why we need to be honest. Because we're being watched. Because we're going to reap what we sow. Because dishonesty damages our character. And because God's going to reward our honesty. So the first one is I'm being watched by God. People steal because they think they can get away with it. Anybody ever think they could get away with it? I'm sure you got away with a lot of stuff in your life. Nobody knows. There are some deep, deep, dark secrets in your life. Nobody knows that you stole it. And you think nobody's ever going to find out about it. That's when Satan comes to lie to us and he says, you know what? Nobody's going to know. You owe it to yourself anyway. Besides, man, your employer's ripping you off. They're not even paying you what you are worth. They should pay you more. They got all this excess stuff here. It's okay to take those supplies home. It's okay to take that equipment. Nobody's ever going to know about it. Nobody's ever going to find out. Wrong. The most important person knows, and that's God. He's the one that you're going to have to be accountable to one day, not anybody else. Job 34, 21 and 22 says, for God watches how people live. He sees everything they do. No darkness is thick enough to hide the wicked from his eyes. Nothing escapes God's eyes. We may fool other people. We may fool the government. We may fool the insurance company when we turn in a dishonest claim. But we're not fooling God. One day we're going to stand before him. And we're going to have to give an account. And we're going to have to explain to God why we stole something that wasn't ours. We're being watched by God. If you're a parent here this morning, you're not only being watched by God, you're being watched by your kids. Values are not taught. They're caught. What is your lifestyle? teaching your children? Is there anything in your life that if they knew about it, you would actually be ashamed for them to know? Even if you don't think that they know you, they know you. They know if you're not honest. They know if you stretch the truth. Ever had a child correct you? Uh Uh-uh, that's not the way it was. And they do it in front of other people. And you're like, Shut up, kid. Wait till we get home. And then, huh, Mom? That's not, it wasn't like that. Dad, you weren't even there, Dad. They know you. You can remember your own parents when you were growing up. You can remember the things that they showed you by their lifestyle. The things that did not have integrity, and you remembered them. Just the way that you remember your parents, so will your children. They will remember your stuff. Moms, you cannot buy a dress, wear it to a special occasion, and then return it and get your money back. Dads, you can't use a tool, finish the job, and then return it and get your money back. One of the greatest gifts that you can do for your children, one of the absolute greatest gifts, is to pass on to your children integrity. Having a parent of integrity is a great, great blessing. I had a father that I can, I can tell you, he did not know God as his personal savior, but he was a man of integrity. He was a good man. I was married to a good man. A good man. And not only are we being watched by our children, but we're being watched by unbelievers. The Bible says, let your light so shine so that people can see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. There are people that you work with, people that you live with. They may not like your personality. You may rub them the wrong way. They may not even like that you're a Christian. Because you talk all about Jesus and you talk about your faith. But I'm going to tell you something, that even though they may not like you, even though you rub them the wrong way, they better respect your integrity. Because it doesn't matter if, they're, if you're not likable. Not every Christian is likable. Sometimes our stuff gets in the way of other people's stuff. But they better respect your integrity. We don't always get along with everyone but the people of the world should trust you. There are people who are not serving God that I really trust because they have integrity. And then there's people who I know who are serving God that I don't trust. Every time you live with integrity, you're being a witness to the world. Another reason why we need to be honest is that we're going to reap what we sow. Galatians 6, 7 says... Don't be misled. Remember, a man will always reap just the kind of crop he sows. Always is a word that, you know, there's two words that you're not supposed to use in a conversation, the word always and never. But God uses it because he says this is what's going to happen all the time. Always. Not some of the time, not most of the time, but always. It's an unbreakable law of the universe. If you plant corn seed, you're going to harvest corn, not potatoes. If you plant apple seed, you're going to get an apple tree, not a peach tree. No matter how much you wish and pray that it was a peach tree, it's still going to be an apple tree. It's not going to change. It doesn't matter if you fast, if you do whatever, you know, for 21 days you do the Daniel fast or you do a total fast you're not going to change that tree. Whatever you plant, that's what you're going to reap. Whatever you get in life, put in life, that's what you're going to get back. If you cheat other people, you're going to get cheated. The, the The world says what comes around goes around. It's exactly the same words, you reap what you sow. God says it's going to happen, and I can guarantee you you're going to be able to count on it if you take advantage of other people you're going to be taken advantage of because you're going to reap what you sow this will work for you if you use it in the right way if you're honest and you maintain your integrity and your decisions and the way that you do business God says he will bless you he will make sure that you're blessed whatever you sow you're going to reap Proverbs 15 27 says try to make a profit dishonestly and you're going to get your family in trouble. If you try to make a profit dishonestly. The newspapers are full of dishonest endeavors. Men and women who got their families in trouble because they were making a dishonest profit. Don't do it. You reap what you sow. Proverbs 21.6 says, Dishonest gain will never last. So why take the risk? Why are you going to put your neck out there and take a risk for doing something dishonest? God says it's not worth it. Eventually, you're going to get found out anyway. Here on earth or in heaven, you're going to get busted. Somehow, someway, you're going to get exposed, either here or there. Don't take the risk. But why do we steal? What really motivates dishonesty? One of the things that motivates dishonesty is greed. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. It's the idea, it's a myth, it's a fantasy that you can get something for nothing. There is absolutely nothing that you're going to get for nothing. The attitude is hard to resist. That's why people gamble. That's why people buy lottery tickets. That's why you get into football pools and baseball pools because there's an addiction, it's a compulsion. I want to get something for nothing. I want to give a dollar and I want to get 10,000 back. I want to give 50 cents and I want to get 5,000 back. You want to get something for nothing. That's why God doesn't want you to gamble. Get off of those computers. Get out of those casinos. Get Stop buying the lottery tickets. Stop getting in raffles. That is totally against what God wants you to do. He doesn't want you to trust luck. He doesn't want you to trust fate or chance. He wants you to trust him not in the lottery, not in anything else, to trust him because dependence on him has nothing to do with a lottery. You can't pray over that lottery ticket. You can't pray over that raffle ticket because you can't disobey him and they say, Lord, bless it. Some people do that. They go violate the word of God and then they say, Lord, bless it. I pray. I pray. I'll pay my tithes. I'll pay 20%. I promise. Just bless it. You can't go to the lottery or the casino or the game and get something for nothing. The only thing that you can get something for nothing is salvation. It's free. You can have it. But there's not too much else you can get for free. God says you pay what you get for, you get what you pay for. You reap what you sow. Another reason why we're dishonest is because we're lazy. Just plain old lazy. If we can steal something, get something dishonestly, we don't have to work for it, then let's do it. We're always looking for shortcuts. We always want to do something really quick. When con men look for people to scam, they always look for people who want to take a shortcut. That's all they want. They're The easiest people in the world to con. People who want the quick fix. People who want the fast deal. People who want the shortcut. If you're like that, you can always be conned. You're easy. You're an easy target. It's easy to check you out. Because I was watching this uh, program the other day. And, you know, in New York, uh, they don't really do it here. But in New York, you have all of these scam artists with the cards. And they're like, you know, they do them real quick. And you have to, you know, figure it out. Well, if you know anything about those scam artists, they, they have a, a, a person there that they work with, and they come up like like they didn't know anything. And they, Oh, I want to play. Okay, guess. And then they, they do it real quick, but they, they already know which one it is. They go, okay, the one on the right. Yay, okay, how about $20? You want to bet $20? And so they do it. They go $20, $40, and they go all the way up to 100 And when they get the scam, they get all these people. And they're looking at the person who they can spot is the easiest one to con in that whole group. And so after they have this person has won, they go, hey, what about you? And they're thinking, hey, well, if she's a dummy and she was able to win $100, I could do it too. But the artist knows. He, he knows. He's the scam. You're, he can con you out of everything. Now, I remember when somebody came to me and told me of a deal. We should get involved in and it was good for the church and it's going to make us you know a lot of money and i my husband and i were there and we were listening and we were listening and i listened to the whole thing until i heard the word money and when i heard the word man this is going to make all kinds of money for the church man this is an easy way to make it when he said that I got up, and I told my husband, I'm out. And he was, wait, 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 wait. what do you mean? What do you mean? And I said, I'm not in this for the money. If you're talking about making money fast, it's the wrong way. Immediately, it's the wrong way. I don't want any part of it. And then my husband said, well, she ain't going to have no part of it. I'm going to have no part of it. And I'm like, okay, sorry. And this person has tried over the years to get me into different things, and every time they bring up the word money, I'm like, ah, I'm out. I will not get involved in any money-making opportunity to get rich quick, ever, because it's against the word of God. The third thing was pride. That's why we're dishonest. Somehow we have a warped sense of value. You know, every single one of us, we get like a thrill when we get something and we feel like we con somebody. Now, some of you may think, oh, I don't really get that thrill. OK, let me explain. There are some people that really get excited when they get something at a garage sale. They know how much it's worth, but the person that's selling it doesn't know how much it's worth. You paid $2 for something that you know costs 75 And you go home and go, man, I got this for $2. $2, I got it, and they didn't even know what they had. And you're all excited. You got over on them. You conned them. You stole. When we con somebody else out of some money or a deal, and we get something far more valuable than what that person knew, then there's a pride that wells up in us that says, man, I'm smarter than them. They're so dumb. They sold us for $2. They could have sold it for $20, I would have bought it. They could have sold it for $30, I would have bought it. I would have tried to drill them down. But hey, sometimes we think we're smarter than them. But in reality, it doesn't prove that we're smarter, or that we're more superior. What it really proves is that we have inferior character it proves that we will step a little bit lower to rip somebody off. The, third, no, the fourth thing of what dishonesty does is it damages our character. Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? See, there are people in this room right now who can give you a dozen ways to make money real quick. I mean, they're just like, it's just part of them. They know how to make money. But the ways that they know are from the world. They're a little dishonest. They'll make you money, but it's a little dishonest. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Proverbs 10, verse 2 says, Wealth you get by dishonesty will do you no good, but honesty can save your life. The Bible says that Satan's character is that of a thief. It says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. So whenever we make a choice to steal, and I don't care what it is, if it's a big thing or a little thing, if you choose to side with the devil rather than God, you're a thief. You are siding with the enemy. The devil wants you to steal because every time you steal, every time you take something that doesn't belong to you, you become more like him. He is the thief. He is the father of all thieves. Satan is a thief and God is the truth. There's the two opposites. The excuse some of you might say, I can't make it in school if I don't cheat. That was, believe it or not, that was one of my excuses. I gave it to my bookkeeping teacher. I, I, you know, I just, I hated bookkeeping. I hated numbers. I didn't want to study numbers. I said, I'm never going to use bookkeeping in my life. I hated it. And I remember going up to her, and I was always a little tall, and she was this little itty-bitty thing, and I'm telling her, I remember her, Mrs. Wilder, I'm going to let you know right now. I'm going to cheat my way through bookkeeping. And she's what do you mean you're going to cheat your way? And I go, I don't like bookkeeping. I don't want to learn bookkeeping. I'm not even ever going to take home the book, so I'm just going to cheat my way through. And I remember her looking up at me. She goes, one day you're going to need this. One day. No, 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 I'm not going to need it. I'm just going to cheat my way through. Now, some of you may be really surprised that I would tell my teacher that, but I had that kind of a relationship with my teacher. i just tell him, I'm going to cheat. Some of you think that you can't make it if you don't cheat. How I wish I would have taken that opportunity to do it right. Because after I got out of school, guess what I needed? Bookkeeping. And I had to go back to school to learn how to do it. Some of you think, if I don't cheat, I'm not going to be able to make it. If I don't cheat at my job? If I don't take this or take that, I'm not going to be able to make ends meet. If I don't somehow steal just little things, I can't make it. But I want to let you know that you're wrong. Proverbs 11:19 says that evil people get rich for the moment, but the reward of the godly will last. Integrity pays. We want to do business with companies that we can trust, People want to respect other people that they can trust. For your own sake, maintain your integrity. Don't sell your soul short for just money. Don't sell it short. And the last thing is that God will reward my honesty. In this life and in eternity, he'll reward it. Proverbs 28, 20 says, honest people will lead a full happy life. But if you're in a hurry to get rich, you're going to be punished. Honesty leads to a full and happy life. Why? Why does honesty lead to a full and happy life? Because you don't have any skeletons in the closet. Some of you got some bones rattling in your closets. It's Halloween and they want to come out. (laughs) But if you're trying to get rich quickly, then you're going to fall into problems and eventually you're going to find yourself punished for it. Almost everyone who has come through the home including my husband, has had at least one get-rich-quick scheme. At least. Some still do. God has one word for those get-rich-quick schemes. Don't. Don't be so dumb. Don't be so foolish. You get wealthy by adding a little bit to a little bit by investing your money, by saving your money, by doing honest work, by good stewardship, by investing in things that count, by investing in people. That's how you get rich. Don't worry about the schemes. Don't worry about the dreams. The quicker you make it, the quicker you lose it. Your greatest rewards are not going to be here. Your greatest rewards are there. See, life is a test. I don't know if you knew that, but it is. The life that we're living, it's all a test. You're being tested in three ways. You're being tested through your trials and problems. You're being tested through temptation. And you're being tested through money. You know what was always interesting to me is that Jesus said, he told the the people, you cannot serve God. And I think that in their heads they were thinking, and Satan. Wouldn't that be like the exact opposite? You can't serve God and the devil. And we'd go, oh, yeah, that's true, you can't. But he didn't say that. He says, you can't serve God and money. They're on two opposite ends. Money and Satan are on two opposite ends. You can't serve one and love the other. They're opposite. You're being tested. Some of you are going to live till you're 60, till you're 70, till you're 80, or like Will's mom, she's in her 90s. And you may live that long here on the earth. But that's not very long in comparison to heaven's time. Because that's millions of years in eternity. And you're going to spend eternity in one of two places. Up there or down there. One of those two places, you're going to spend eternity. If you've received Christ as your Savior and you put your trust in him, you're going to spend eternity in heaven. And the Bible says that these three things are used to test you. Where are you going to spend the rest of your life? What is important to you? What's valuable to you? In Luke 16, 10 through 12, it says, if you're faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you will not be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who's going to trust you with the true riches in heaven? If you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? It's a test. If I respond correctly and I'm honest with my money and I'm honest with the character of other people, I don't steal money, I don't steal ideas, I don't steal property, I don't steal time, God says there's going to be great rewards. Great rewards in heaven. He says in Matthew 25, 21, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in little, now I'll put you in charge over many things. Come and join the master's happiness. So how do we prepare for that? How do we get to this final exam? Very quickly, I want to tell you, number one, the way that you can start learning how to be honest The way you can stop stealing, these are hard. They're not that easy. Number one, repay whatever you stole, if it's possible. Repay it back. For some of you, you're going to have to go all the way back to your five years old, because that's where it started. A good example of repaying back is Zacchaeus. If you read that story in Luke 19, you'll find that Zacchaeus... uh, was a really really short little guy. Yeah, there's a little story, a little children's uh, song. It says Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. And he climbed up on yeah, I don't sycamore tree. Yeah, okay, I'm not gonna sing for you, but that's what the story is. He climbed up on a tree because he couldn't see Jesus was coming, so he got up on a tree so that he could see him. And he got all above the crowd. And the Bible says that when Jesus was walking by, he looked up. And he saw Zacchaeus up in the tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, today I'm going to have dinner at your house. And the people all around Jesus were like, they put their mouths open because Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Zacchaeus was the kind of man that nobody liked. Zacchaeus was not a man who could be trusted. He was very dishonest. Because according to the Roman system, tax collectors were not paid. What they would do is they would collect money from everybody, and then they would just take it off the top. Well, this belongs to me. They were among the wealthiest people in the town, but they were the most hated because they were so dishonest. So Jesus goes and he has dinner with Zacchaeus, and in that relationship development over dinner, Zacchaeus says, you know what? I've been doing the wrong things. I'm going to get my life right. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And he tells Jesus, I want to follow you, Lord. And if I've cheated anyone, I'm going to pay him back four times as much. Four times. Now, this is a guy who's putting his money where his mouth is. That's called real Christianity. That's paying back. That's reimbursing. That's making restitution. That's why Jesus said, about Zacchaeus, he said, salvation has come into this man's home. When salvation comes into our lives, it changes us. We don't just believe something, now we're behaving in that way. If we could ask the Lord to help us to remember all the people that we've ripped off, all the people that we've stolen from, all the people that we've cheated, I wonder how long that list would be. Some of your rap sheets would not be as long as some of the cheating names would be. But could you try and make a point to repay those that you've stolen from your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your friends, that corner store, that CD, that food from the market, that candy that was just sitting there that you just went by and just put in your mouth. If you ask God to help you, he can help you make a list. And I'm telling you this because we're talking about financial peace. I want you to have a clear conscience before God and before man. Maybe you need to wrap something up and just mail it back to somebody and just put anonymous. Maybe there's some things you need to return. You need to return your office supplies, your neighbor's ladder, things borrowed from the church, borrowed from your parents, from whoever. Maybe you need to write a check could be anonymous. You don't even have to put your name on it. Give it to, as a money order and just put from Jesus. But you're making restitution. Maybe you're just embarrassed that you even have to do that. But when you can, I would suggest doing it. There was a guy who jipped the IRS, and he was under conviction about it. And so he sent a letter with $500 to the IRS and said, I've cheated the IRS. Here's $500. P.S. If I still feel guilty, I'll send the rest later. (laughs) Make restitution, repay, reimburse. If you can do it face to face, tell them you know what? I am a Christian. The Lord has convicted me. Here's $25, here's $50, here's $100, whatever it is, I want to make restitution. I want to clear my conscience. I'll tell you something, you'll never be able to buy that feeling. My husband used to have a saying, there is no greater feeling in all the world, no greater feeling in all the world than to be right with God. He used to say that all the time. And you know what that means? It means that I have nothing that I have not dealt with. It means that I have nothing to hide. Imagine if you were to run for office in this country, and they would bring out everything of your past, I mean, they go all the way back to grammar school. They nitpick everybody you said hi to, everybody who says they knew you, and they believe them. Doesn't matter. What could they bring out in your past that you need to repay? The second thing you need to do is, if you want to stop stealing, is you you need to give God your full tithe. God has more promises about giving than any other thing in the Bible. He says to bring the full 10% to the temple. Where's the temple? Where you worship. The fact God says that if you're not tithing and you're paying your bills, again, you're paying with stolen money that belongs to God. The money in your wallet, if you're not tithing, you're ripping God off. And one day you're going to have to give account for it. The third thing that you need to do is to make a living honestly. Ephesians 4.28 says, He who has been stealing must steal no more, but must work doing something useful with his hands that he may have something to share with those in need. I would suggest that you begin to act as if God were your boss. Work as if you're working for the Lord, not your employer. You're working for God. Make money honestly so that you can live with a clear conscience at night. The Bible says that no dishonest person is going to be allowed into heaven. That means We don't have a chance if we're doing things dishonestly, if we're doing things underneath the table. We've all been dishonest in a lot of different ways. There's not one person in this room, including myself, who can say I've never, ever been dishonest. But that's why Jesus died on the cross. He took all of our sins. He took all of that. And he died on the cross, not so that we could keep on doing what we're doing, but so that we could live a victorious life, so that we don't have to keep being dishonest. He said, that's why I came. That's why I died. That's why we need to follow him completely. And from this message, what I want you to do is I want you to say, Lord, I want to trust you. I want to trust you with everything. I want to follow you the best way that I know how. From this day forward, I want to be able to live a life of integrity. I want to make restitution whenever I can and wherever I can. I want to begin to pay my whole tithe to God. I want to make my living honestly instead of dishonestly. If you do that, you will live a fuller and happier life. The rewards that you will experience will be out of this world. Something that happened to Coralie is just going to be common when we begin to live our life right before God. Stand with me this morning. This is a hard message because it talks about something that we don't really want to fess up to. We don't want to admit that we're stealing. We don't, want to, we don't want to admit that we need help in that area. Whether we're stealing from our employers, we're stealing, or we stole in the past, we're stealing from God. We don't really want to say what we've been doing. But this is what I'm going to ask I'm not going to ask you to confess if you've been dishonest. I'm not going to ask you to confess if you've stolen. What I am going to ask is that if you want to make restitution, you want to repay, and you need God to help you repay from things of your past, you need wisdom, you need direction, you need to be able to make restitution, then I'm going to open up the altars for you to come and just tell the lord I, I i need to make restitution i need to repay i need to do what i need to do so that i could live in financial peace